Welcome to Hang Your Hat, a podcast about ideas that are close to home. This is episode eight, Wax On, Wax Off. Spring is in the air, and that means that it's time to clean. Today's episode is all about spring cleaning. I dive into the murky history of spring cleaning, the girl joins me for a cleaning quiz, and I discuss some of the more promising cleaning hacks published online. So grab your broom and let's get to it. Spring cleaning has an interesting history in that it has no known origin place, and versions of it exist around the world. In some areas, it has cultural significance, in some areas, religious significance, and in some places, it seems to be rooted in simple tradition. There is even some evidence that its origination is biological in nature, which could help explain how ubiquitous it is. One popular possible origin of spring cleaning is the Jewish practice of thoroughly cleaning the house prior to Passover. Immediately after Passover, Jews observe the Days of Unleavened Bread, during which there are strict prohibitions against eating or drinking anything made from wheat, barley, oat, spelt, or rye, and leavened or fermented with yeast, or having any, any crumbs or bits of food made from these things in their house. As a result, Jewish families often clean their houses very thoroughly in the spring just before Passover. Iran also has a spring cleaning tradition called Kanen Takani, please excuse my horrible pronunciation, or shaking the house that dates back to their pre-Islamic Persian past. The cleaning is part of the New Year celebration, which celebrates renewal, and the cleaning is, is a symbolic purification. Every part of the home is cleaned and scrubbed until it is as good as new and ready for a new year. The Chinese also have a tradition of cleaning their homes in anticipation of the new year. However, their new year is shortly after the Western New Year rather than in spring. In Chinese tradition, cleaning the house removes all of the bad luck that has accumulated over the past year. There is also a good chance that our biology contributes to spring cleaning. As we learned in episode 6, sweet dreams are made of these, increases in sunlight exposure make our bodies decrease melatonin production, making us more alert and energetic. When winter's melatonin-induced stupor is beaten back by the light of spring, we have more energy to clean the things we have been avoiding all winter. We also learned about the psychological benefits of clearing away the year's clutter in episode 4, one resolution to rule them all. However, my favorite theory for the origins of spring cleaning is a purely practical one. Throughout most of human history, light and heat sources were really dirty, Just think about how dirty your house would be after a winter of smoky fires and indoor coal burning. After a long cold winter of steadily increasing soot levels, spring would have been the first opportunity to clean things out. The weather would be warm enough to leave the doors and windows open to air the house, but it is not so warm that the bugs are back in force yet, and there is enough light in spring to see what you're cleaning. It's also a great time to get things organized before a busy farming season, or in our case, a busy tax season. I think that this is why spring cleaning has persisted throughout time and across cultures and religions. It just makes sense. I 
have a special guest here with me today. It's my daughter. You'll know her as the girl if you read the Jerkin Crafts blog. Would you like to say hi? Hello, all you people out there who are listening to this podcast. Today, she's going to help me with a cleaning quiz, and she's going to help me dispel some cleaning myths. You ready? I think so. Okay, question number one. Is newspaper really the best material to use when cleaning windows? Yes. Why? Because I don't know. What makes you think it might be? Eh. Because people do use newspaper to clean windows a lot. Because it's relatively soft? Normally people clean windows with newspaper because it's lint-free. So it doesn't leave a bunch of fuzz on the window when you're done cleaning like paper towels do. So in that sense, it is better uh, for window washing than other materials, but it's probably not the best thing you could use to wash your windows. The problem is that newspaper will leave a static charge on the window. That will attract dust and dirt to the windows so they end up getting dirty looking pretty fast. When the pros wash windows, they use a sponge or soft scrubber to get the dirt off and then a squeegee to remove the water. All right, number two, true or false. Should you only wash windows when it's cloudy outside? True. Why? Because if it's sunny, the water will dry and leave streaks on your window. Absolutely, that is completely true. If you Wash your windows while it's sunny outside. That water and cleaning solution will dry before you get a chance to clean off the windows. And that will leave marks and streaks that not only don't look good, but they're also really hard to remove. All right, number three, another true or false. Rubber gloves are better than tape at getting pet hair off fabric sofas. True. Because it will attract the fur with the electric charge for most sofas and most pets this is true um, but there are going to be some sofas or some pet hair it won't work on i couldn't find any reason why this would work better than anything else but i found plenty of examples of it working surprisingly well to do it you just put on some clean rubber gloves and then get them very slightly wet just with like a spray bottle is the best rather than putting them under the water Then you just rub the glove over the surface of the couch. The hair just comes right off. Short, quick motions seem to make the hair clump into easy-to-remove balls, while longer movements made the hair stick to the gloves better in the examples that I saw. Number four, will vacuuming a carpet too often damage the carpet? Yes, because it will pull out too many of the hairs. Sorry, that one's wrong. With a properly functioning vacuum, using the proper settings for your rug, it would be extremely difficult to vacuum your carpet so much that the benefits of vacuuming would outweigh the minuscule amount of damage that the carpet would take by being vacuumed. My research indicated that even vacuuming multiple times per day would not be detrimental to your carpet. The reason is that dust and dirt is really abrasive and it will wear down carpet fibers much faster than a vacuum ever could. 
Think about it like going to the beach and getting sand in your bathing suit and then walking around with the sand in your bathing suit the rest of the day. The sand would scratch and chafe and it may even leave abrasions on your skin. Is that fun? Yeah. So just like scrubbing the sand off of, the sh off of your skin in the shower, it might irritate your skin a tiny bit, but in the long run, it's gonna leave your skin in much better shape. Same with vacuuming. Vacuuming your carpet might wear your carpet out a tiny, tiny bit, but in the long run, it leaves your carpet in better shape than not vacuuming. Most of the sources I read suggested that a carpet be vacuumed at least once per week, and it should be vacuumed more often in areas with lots of traffic. Number five, we're staying on the carpet of uh, on the topic of floors. I'm sure you know that vinegar is good at cleaning a lot of stuff. Of course I do. You scrub it all over the house. Exactly. We use it to clean a lot of things. Should it be used to clean floors? Yes, because you tell me to spray the water with the vinegar on the bathroom floor when I'm mopping it. So it actually depends on the floor. Some floors, like linoleum floors or tile floors with sealed grout, like the ones in our bathroom, can be cleaned with vinegar. However, some floors should not be cleaned with vinegar. We don't have any of these, but natural stone floors like marble and granite can be damaged by vinegar and other acidic cleaners. For these kinds of floors, you need a specialized cleaner for stone. Unsealed grout can also be damaged by the acid and vinegar. Since the cement in the grout is alkaline, it can be dissolved by acids. So for unsealed grout, it's better to use an alkaline cleanser like baking soda or an enzyme-based grout cleaner. What do you think about hardwood floors? That they're pretty. Do you think they should be clean with vinegar? Sure, why not? So the jury's still out on this one. Some people, including me, think that the acid and vinegar can damage the finish on a hardwood floor, but not everyone does. I would recommend testing vinegar out on, in an out of the way piece of flooring before you clean your whole floor with it, but damage can build up over time. So you might not even see any damage from cleaning your floors with vinegar the first time or even the first 10 times. So instead, I recommend cleaning your floors with something designed with your type of hardwood floor in mind. I'm a big fan of the Bona cleaning products. Okay, more cleaners. This is question number five. True or false? Bleach is the best cleaner to use when getting grime off surfaces. False, because you tell me not to use the bleach on the bathroom floor. You tell me to use the vinegar water. That is correct, but not the right reason. <laughs> Darn it. While bleach is a pretty good disinfectant, it does not clean a surface. So if you put bleach on a dirty surface, you end up with germ-free dirt and a lighter color. The problem is that bleach does not have any surfactants like soaps. So it has no ability to lift dirt or remove grime. If you want to clean with bleach, you really need to remove the dirt from wherever you're cleaning first with a surfactant like a detergent-based cleanser or elbow grease, or better yet, a combination of the two. And then only after the surface is clean, use the bleach to disinfect it. The bleach needs to stay on a surface for at least five minutes to actually disinfect. So you can't just spray and wipe. 
and bleach should be removed completely from a surface after it is finished disinfecting, or you risk exposure to harmful chemicals and the bleach eating the surface off of whatever you were cleaning. All right, you ready for number six? I hope so. Now there's another true or false. To get something really clean, you need to clean it with a mixture of bleach and ammonia. False, because you, you said that bleach doesn't have any soap-like stuff in it to actually get the dirt out, and I don't, and I think the same thing goes for pneumonia. It's true that you shouldn't clean with a combination of bleach and ammonia. If you mix them, they create a toxic gas. So you should never, ever, ever mix bleach and ammonia. Really, you shouldn't mix bleach with hardly anything because you risk toxic gas a lot of the time with anything you mix bleach with but especially not ammonia. Household bleach is made from the acid sodium hypochlorate, which is dissolved in water. This solution forms hypochlorous acid, which is a weak acid, but a strong oxidizing agent. That's what gives bleach its ability to remove color and kill germs. But when hypochlorous acid is combined with ammonia, several harmful chemicals are created. But their primary toxic chemical that is created is chloramine vapor, also known as chlorine gas. When inhaled, chlorine gas tears into your nasal passages, trachea, and lungs by causing massive cellular damage. It can leave permanent damage to your airways and lungs and it can even do enough damage to kill. For this reason, chlorine gas was actually used as a weapon in World War I. Mustard gas? It's slightly different. Both of those were used as a weapon during World War I. This one is a particular type of gas, which is a little bit different than mustard gas. Ah. Both were used as a weapon, though. If you do ever accidentally mix bleach and ammonia, the most important thing to do is limit your exposure to the gas. So get out of the room or even the house and try to make sure that no one else is exposed then seek medical attention. Number seven, we're switching gears a little bit to laundry. Does more laundry detergent mean cleaner clothes? No, because it's the same strength as it would be with any amount. Well, it's true that it does not mean cleaner clothes, but it can actually mean less clean clothes. But true. Using too much laundry detergent can actually leave your clothes stiff with excess detergent because the washing machine is not able to wash out the excess detergent. This is especially true of high efficiency machines, which most of the new ones are right now, which use much less water than standard washing machines. And too much detergent not only leaves your clothes covered in extra detergent, according to Jill Notini, a spokeswoman for the Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers, it can also cause a buildup of mold and mildew in your machine, which can shorten the lifespan of your washing machine. It also wastes a lot of money. Even if you are using the detergent manufacturer's recommended amount of detergent, you may be using too much. Vernon Schmidt, who's the author of the Appliance Handbook for Women, simple enough even a man can understand, <laughs> and longtime handyman, estimates that people use 
10 to 15 times the amount of soap they need. So if you want to find out if we're using too much detergent, Smith suggests a very simple test. All you have to do is put four to six clean towels in your washing machine and run the washer with hot water and no soap or detergent in it. After five minutes, you turn off the washer and check for suds or soapy residue. If you see any, the soap came out of the towels from the last time you washed them, meaning that there was much too, deterg much, too much detergent when you last washed them. You can cut down the amount of detergent you use until you come out of this test without any soapy residue. So in our house, we use what kind of laundry detergent? No idea. We use Method, and it comes with what? Bubbles? A pump? So we can pump out just the right amount of laundry detergent. We don't have to fill a cup that we accidentally fill up to over the fill line, right? So we can measure the amount of the laundry detergent we're using pretty accurately, but even then, we generally use about half the detergent recommended by Method. And do our clothes come out nice and clean? Yep. Number eight, true or false, washing machines don't have to be cleaned because they wash themselves. False, because the detergent, I would think, would stick to your washing machine walls and really cake up under it. Absolutely. That is one of the main reasons that washing machines have to be cleaned, actually. Excess soap in the wash and dirt and grime from clothes builds up in the washer. Add to that the perfect conditions for mold and mildew buildup, which is water and warmth, and you have a pretty disgusting washing washer after a while. Fortunately, there are some pretty easy ways to keep it clean. If the washer's already mostly clean, you can just run an empty load with hot water and bleach or hot water and vinegar, but don't mix hot water and bleach and hot water and vinegar, separate loads. Or you can use a commercial cleaning product like Tide washing machine cleaner. If your washer is a bit too scummy for a quick rinse to do the job, then you should scrub it out with baking soda or vinegar. To keep the washer cleaner longer, don't use excess soap and keep the drum dry when you're not using it by emptying clothes out of the wash as soon as they're done and keeping the door to the washer open to allow for air circulation. If you have a front loader, it's also a good idea to keep, to clean out the door gasket regularly to keep the debris out of it and to keep mold and mildew at bay. It's pretty gross, isn't it? Very. I won't even tell you about some of the stuff I read about fecal matter and clothes and washing machines from underpants. It was disgusting. I don't even know, want to know what fecal matter is. You probably don't want to know. All right. Last question. We were going to finish this one up with one more appliance maintenance task. Cleaning and deodorizing the garbage disposal. Gross. The garbage disposal can get pretty gross and smelly, so cleaning out regularly is a good idea. So your question is, is it a good idea to stick citrus peels and coffee grounds down the disposal to clean it and deodorize it. Hmm. Tough one. I'm gonna go with false because I would think that it would really hurt 
the disposal to have hard things like dried orange peels or lots of gritty things like coffee grounds be stuck down it. So this one's actually a trick question. Citrus oh, peels are actually fine to put down the drain a little bit at a time anyway. Not dried, just regular ate off the orange and then stuck the peel in the, in the disposal. The mild acid in the peels might even help clean the disposal. And if you grind them up completely, they will leave the disposal smelling nice and clean. Coffee grounds, however, should not be put in the disposal. They won't actually hurt the disposal, so the grit from the coffee beans is actually fine. They may even make it smell better. The problem is that they accumulate in pipes and clogged drains. So it's best to avoid putting coffee grounds down the disposal. Instead, run the disposal with cold water and a bit of soap. Or run ice cubes through the disposal, which is supposed to help keep the disposal blade sharp. Ice cubes made from vinegar will have the added benefit of reducing odors as well. So what did you think of our quiz? You come up with the weirdest questions about cleaning. <laughs> did you learn anything new? Yes and no. So what did you learn? I learned that you like to ask trick questions just to annoy me, for one. And also, bleach is not a cleaner like I thought it was. But you should also always scrub your windows on cloudy days because you get streaks on sunny ones. What's the most important one you learn for your health? Hmm. What do we talk about that might actually kill you? Oh, yeah. The bleach and pneumonia. Yeah. I don't really play around with those cleaners much, but I would imagine that would be very important once I get older. Yeah. It's definitely a good one to always keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining me today on the show, and I'm really glad that you were able to answer some of my questions and talk with me today. Do you think you might like to do this again sometime? Mm -hmm. When I first started researching for the show, I really expected to find a lot of cleaning hacks that would make cleaning easier and faster and make things stay cleaner longer and make my house smell like a magical pine forest. I was disappointed. I really didn't find much in the way of cleaning magic tricks. The best time-saving tip I found was cleaning more often because it takes forever to scrub off really ground-in dirt that has been sitting there for a while. However, I did find a couple of gems that seemed like they might just work. The first was waxing your sinks and tile, just like you would wax your car. The idea being that the wax surface would make water and things in the water beat up and run off the surface, which, at least in theory, should help keep the surfaces cleaner longer. The kitchen sink in my house tends to become a pit of filth seconds after I finish cleaning it, so I gave this one a try. I'm going to be putting up a blog post about exactly how I did it and the results in the next day or two, but I can give this one a definitive thumbs up. After waxing my sink, I went away on a business trip for several days and came back to, believe it or not, a clean sink after days of it being used and not clean. Even my husband noticed how clean the sink was, several days after being waxed. Another good one that I actually started doing a while ago and absolutely works is switching to liquid body wash rather than using a bar of soap to cut down on soap scum. Since liquid body wash is technically a detergent rather than a soap, it doesn't cause soap scum buildup, which means less time scrubbing the tub. Another tried and true one 
is putting cornstarch on your clothes if you spill a bit of grease or oil on them. The cornstarch absorbs the oil and will get rid of the stain, after it's washed, of course. I also saw chalk being used to absorb oil, not only on clothes, but on household stuff like walls. I haven't tried this one yet, but I think this idea has promise. Chalk should absorb the oil a lot like cornstarch does. I also saw a trick to lift carpet stains by spraying the stain with a water and vinegar mixture, placing a clean cloth over the stain, and then using an iron with a steam setting on the cloth to literally steam the stain out. Since professional carpet cleaners use steam to clean carpets, I think this one might work too, but I think it would be a good idea to try it on an out-of-the-way spot on the carpet first. Keep an eye on the blog for the next couple of days. I'll be trying out some of the cleaning hacks I found and letting you know how they turned out. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate the show or leave a review on iTunes. I'll be back in two weeks with the next episode. If you would like to get in touch, in the meantime, please send me an email at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit the website hangyourhatpodcast.com. The Hang Your Hat Podcast is a production of jerwerkincrafts.com. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N Crafts, all one word, dot com. You can visit Jerwerkincrafts for DIY, home decor, crafts, tutorials, and more.